We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Kolschel. We are recording this episode on Thursday, July 14th here, as we're in the middle, obviously, of July, a couple of weeks away from training camp. And, you know, while this is the slow part of the offseason, uh, Yusei, with pretty much all the players um, off, doing their thing in the, off doing their thing in the offseason, this pretty much is the true offseason part for them. No football activities going on right now. The Bears did actually make a move, which we will be covering to start this podcast today. But before we get into what we're doing today for this podcast, you said, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. We've got about two weeks until the Bears have their first open public training camp practice. So if you're listening to this right now, I mean, it's about two weeks to go, July 28th, you know, so that's definitely going to be some exciting stuff. Um you know, we hope to be at training camp every single year, depending on how things shake out. I know that every year people from out of state love to get tickets and then for whatever reason, never actually end up going. And then the people who can actually make it to Hallis Hall don't get tickets, unfortunately. So we have to kind of go ahead and see what we can do. But anyway, other than that, you know, I'm doing well. So we've got a couple of weeks till, you know, football is officially back. And so I think things are moving quick here, about a month and a half to go until the college football season starts, which means that, it is getting closer and closer. And before you know it, we're going to be breaking everything down. Yeah, I'm really excited for training camp to start. I, I think I should be going to the first week of training camp when that comes up. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be a really fun time. And I'm always going to get back to camp there. But before we get into today's episode, um, well, I should say that for today's episode, um, we are going to be covering a little bit of a, I won't say an off topic, but Going away from the Bears here in today's episode, for the most part, as uh, we transition to a little bit of previewing the 2023 season for, of course, the college football season, 
going into the NFL draft for next year. And um, part of that is getting an early look at what a mock draft could look at, look like for the bears. And so that'll be the focus for today is going over our way too early 2023 uh, Chicago bears mock draft. But before we do that, you said we have a bit of news to discuss here that the bears were involved in uh, over this past week. And that was trading a 2024 seventh round pick to the new England Patriots for wide receiver Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry, uh, former first-round pick for the Patriots, but never really worked out. Um, it, you know, it was reported that he requested a trade last offseason. They did not uh, make a deal happen, obviously, last year as, as he spent from the roster. Just never really found a role in New England here. Now the Bears have taken a chance on bringing him in here to their system and seeing if they can make it work. Um, you know, this is a very interesting move. You see, obviously, for a future seventh round pick, the Bears aren't really investing a ton in here. They're basically, I, I think the way Poles is seeing it is, you know, Kill Harry, a former first round pick, you know, why not take a flyer on this guy and see if he can um, become something in a final year's contract um, here as he goes into a contract here. And, and as a first round pick, former first round pick, he does have some talent. So what are your thoughts on the move here, you say, it, and uh, what do you think his role is going to be with the Bears now that he comes in here and the wide receiver room is wide open for competition? You're right. It's wide open for competition beyond Darnell Mooney. When you look at Nikhil Harry, he's about six foot four, two hundred twenty-five pounds. When you look at that 2019 NFL draft class, I mean, Nikhil Harry was a lot of people thought he was going to be Allen Robinson 2.0. When you turned on the tape at Arizona State University, that I think is what a lot of people saw was an Allen Robinson light. Now you like Nikhil Harry for his excellent hands, for his big body for the size, the ball skills, but where he really lacks and you need explosiveness to play in the NFL as a wide receiver, that's where Nikhil Harry really lacks. When we look at things in the context of the Patriots, it's definitely interesting because I believe Nikhil Harry was the highest drafted wide receiver in the Bill Belichick era for the New England Patriots, but then also you have the Patriot way. And so ultimately there is a legitimate question that arises here, right? We have to ask ourselves, did Nikhil Harry fail because the traits that he has that were on display at Arizona State just didn't translate well over to the NFL? He's just a player that doesn't understand NFL football. Or did he fail because the Patriot way is so detailed and so specific that ultimately Nikhil Harry never really got it going? Because there's been plenty of players who I think have kind of failed in New England, but then gone on to have relatively good or okay careers elsewhere when we talk about what the bears have been doing this offseason i mean you mentioned it. it's a seventh round pick that the bears traded for Nikhil harry and again let's be honest if he pans out great if he doesn't pan out then the bears really only lost a seventh round pick which again is kind of the equivalent to an undrafted free agent but looking at the bears offseason in general this is what ryan poles and matt eberflus have done right they've gone ahead and they've brought in players that may not have been really great elsewhere and basically given them a chance to say we're giving you guys a chance come in here start show us what you can do so it's just another one of those low risk high reward kind of moves that ultimately you look at and you can justify why the bears are doing this now, in terms of Nikhil Harry and hitting on Nikhil Harry, that's a completely separate conversation. But in the moment with a wide receiver room that is wide open, you know, you have Byron Pringle that's new. I don't think Byron Pringle's necessarily that great either. You have the rookie Valus Jones Jr., right? Byron Pringle is more so of a wide receiver three or four in my eyes. Valus Jones has some potential, even though I didn't agree where the Bears drafted him. 
or kind of how the Bears handled things with that second second round pick when there were guys like Sky Moore available a couple picks later that actually went a couple picks later too so ultimately when you look at this kind of wide receiver room I think in the greater context this outside of Darnell Mooney it's completely wide open and then when you really look at Nikhil Harry in general I think that there are some intriguing traits that I mentioned a moment ago that can certainly be unlocked, but he's really going to have to work for it just because he's a former first-round pick. I mean, he's not guaranteed a roster spot by any means, but he does at least create a bit more excitement considering some of the stuff he's done in the NFL in the past and looking at his college tape too. So I think what the Bears are saying with Nikhil Harry is this, is they're sending everyone a message. They're saying – the opportunity for you is there to establish yourself as a long-term starter. We've given you the keys to do that. We're giving you the chance to do that. Go out and make the most of it. Yeah, I mean, this is really his second chance, and it, it could be, you know, if he has improved himself, you're a final chance for him to really make an impact, to make a roster here, because to kill Harry, you know, he, he's struggled in his NFL career so far, and, you know, a big part of that is the fact that you kind of mentioned it, uh, the dude just can't separate, you know, for whatever, you know, he's just not a quick twitch athlete. He's not very explosive. He doesn't really have great straight line speed. So, you know, you're looking at somebody here who's got the greatest athlete in the world, and that's going to, you know, affect you a little bit in terms of separating and his route running is a little bit raw as well. Just hasn't really developed that part of his game. But, you know, the way I see this here, um, when I look at Nicole Harry coming in, um, you know, you look at all the moves that the Bears have made so far this offseason. Offensively, you know, while they haven't invested a ton at wide receiver, you look at some of the guys that they have brought in. Byron Pringle, a good blocker in the slot at the wide receiver position. You look at all that they have done to, you know, bring in a fullback here in Kyrie Blassing game. Um, you know, all the talk about running this outside zone Shanahan system where it does emphasize the bit and – you know, you bring in a defensive coach, Matt Eberflus, you know, the way I see it, you know, I, I, I think that this is a move that kind of sets up what they want to do philosophically for the season. That's run the heck out of the ball this year. And you know, we can talk about whether that's a good plan or not, especially when you're developing a young quarterback in Justin Fields. But I think the plan here is going to be, you know, the strength of this offense right now is they're running backs so you look at Montgomery and Khalil Herbert uh, their offensive line isn't great but you know it, it's probably better moving forwards and horizontally rather than working in pass sets right now and in order to avoid that you need to get them on the move and um, running the ball and in play action sets rather than getting them in straight pass sets so um, I think that's gonna be their strategy this year they're gonna try to run the ball 25 to 30 times a game and where to kill Harry fits into that is he can compete for a spot as a true blocking specialist as a wide receiver. Nikhil Harry, while he wasn't a great receiver for the Patriots, he was a damn good blocker for them last year. I think PFF had him rated with like an 84.6 uh, round blocking grade, if, if I believe that's correct. It's around that area, but graded out very well blocking um, in the run game for the Patriots last year. So I, I think that's one thing that the Bears saw in him is that you know, he's not the most like dynamic athlete. He's not a great separator, but on early downs, when you bring him in, he can peck out of these, you know, defensive backs here and get them out of the play. And, you know, it's so important for a lot of, you know, for a lot of systems, you know, wide receiver blocking is not the most important thing, but for this wide zone offense, it is absolutely important that you have wide receivers that can block on the outside and set the edge. Um, 
for that outside zone run. And Akil Harry can do that. Now, does that guarantee that he's going to make the roster? You know, who knows? Because they only invested a seventh round pick in him. So it's not like they're uh, doing too much here in the way, you know, investing a lot in his development here. They're basically giving him an opportunity and they're going to see in, in camp whether he can um, earn that opportunity, earn that spot on this roster. Um, but, you know, that's where I see his fit because, you know, there really isn't much that he adds in the receiving game for me. You know, it's not the move that I would have made. And because philosophically, I just, I'm not sure if building a run first offense is necessarily what I want to do with a young quarterback in Justin Fields who needs reps in the passing game. But it clearly, you know, they're going to run the ball a lot. Justin Fields is going to have a lot of passes off of play action. And having a physical wide receiver on the outside who can block like Nikhil Harry uh, can certainly help with that. You know, what are your thoughts on, on my kind of assessment there? And, and do you think that's something that could be in play here? Well, I absolutely think that your assessment spot on, because when you look at the Patriots, you look at Mac Jones as a quarterback. Again, there were instances where he grew as a passer throughout the year, but ultimately the basic foundational piece of the Patriots offense has always been that really good running game. It's like they're able to take these running backs like a James White, a Rex Burkhead, Ramorde Stevenson, a couple other names. You had Sonny Michelle there too for a couple of years and basically make that running game so effective. So when you do that, it eliminates the need to kind of have that big play wide receiver in the passing game. And that's what the Patriots basically did throughout 2021. So for the Bears here, this makes perfect sense because if you're looking at this team, a lot of people look at the Bears roster and say there really isn't much to it, which that argument is somewhat warranted. But the other half of the argument, I think, because a lot of this just comes down to being a double-edged sword, is the simple fact that the strength of the Bears offense is the running game with David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, right? You look at the entire roster, and if you're going to rank positional groups from strongest to weakest, running back probably is a top three or top five position on the Bears in terms of strength alone and just what that position has because the position has veteran experience. It's got depth, right? And so it's just better to go ahead and to lean into the strengths that are on your roster as you're creating your identity rather than going ahead and trying to start something completely from scratch and throwing a couple passing concepts at the wall and seeing what's going to stick and what isn't. Now, with that said, it's also important to acknowledge that when it comes to the passing game, the Bears have to know that this needs to be a pass-first offense at times too, specifically because when we ultimately look at the state of the league, it's become more and more pass-heavy. And if Justin Fields is going to be the guy in Chicago for the next 15 to 20 years, he needs to get a solid foundation of passing offense underneath him in 2022 that he can eventually continue to build upon. So when Matt Eberflus talks about building the foundation, it's not just a roster or on offense or on defense. It's also about building the foundation for individual players in year one, which in Fields' case would be the passing game, and then just continuing to stack upon it. They really have a plan of the way they want to address this offense in year one. They have a plan for how they want to use Justin Fields in year one. And they think that this, this to me is the best for his development in terms of running the style of offense. And we'll see what happens there. You know, overall, I look at this to kill Harry move. And again, I bring up the entire context of what they've done this off season to kind of shape this offense. You know, the Harry is only one piece of this. He's, he's a very minor piece, um, but 
that's where my brain went to right away when I saw this move. And you know, ultimately, it's not the receiver move that I would have made. It's not the type of wide receiver trade. When you when you have Mari Cooper going for a fifth round pick, like that, I would have rather done something like that, make a move like this here. But you know, that's that's way far in the past here. There's nothing you can do about that right now. Um, you know, again, is Nikhil Harry's this move going to make a huge difference on the Bears season? think so but you know all in all worthy gamble to take i guess and you know we'll see what happens when we get the training camp and uh the season at large uh when we get to that point here in the next couple months we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So... Without further ado, let's get into the meat of this episode here. You said going over our way too early 2023 Chicago Bears mock drafts here. And what we did for this one is, um, you know, kind of similar to some of our previous mock drafts for, you know, last year's draft was, you know, our usually our first mock draft didn't involve any trades. It didn't involve any move around, move, maneuver around the board here. And of course, with this being so early in the process, like, you know, a lot of these guys that we've done, you know, I've only done just barely started my my scouting process for this upcoming draft last year. So this is a very rudimentary um, process right here, but I think it's a good um, kind of thing to do to just kind of show what options are available to the Bears. Obviously, a lot can happen between now and the 2023 draft next April. You know, you never know who the Bears are going to target in free agency. You never know what trades are going to be made. You're never going to know what prospects, you know, rise to the occasion, which prospects don't really meet their expectations in the next upcoming year. But I think this is a fun exercise to kind of see, you know, what options are going to be available for the Bears. And of course, we don't know where they're going to be drafting um, in the next draft because they haven't even played a single game yet in the 2022 seasons. But, you know, by all accounts, I, I think we can probably say with confidence that the Bears are not going to be a great team. I think, you know, they're probably going to have a top 10 pick in this next upcoming draft. So they'll have a chance to get a premium talent here. So what we did here, you and I, we, we both, you know, pro football focus, what we normally use that for last year's draft cycle. Uh, they only were doing three round drafts for uh, their mock draft simulator right now. So we use pro football networks, mock draft simulator, getting all seven rounds in there. I was like, for no trades and the bears in this mock draft simulator, at least for me, they had the eighth overall pick. I'm not sure if that was the same for you, Sade, but for me, they had the eighth overall pick. So that's what I'm going with for now. So um, you know, that's what we have right now. And, uh, yeah, let's just get into the sink here. You said going with our first round pick. So you say, I'll start with you. What was your first round pick for uh, your way too early 2023 mock drafts here? Yeah. So for me, kind of, it was the same thing. You know, the bears did have a top 10 pick, which I think there's such a common theme that exists is that when you do look at the 
NFL mock drafts that have kind of come out for next year, a lot of people are projecting the Bears to pick in the top 10, right? So for me, in the top 10, there's two wide receivers to look at. There's LSU's Kayshawn Booty, and there's Ohio State's Jackson Smith Najikba. Now, for me, the way the board fell is I went ahead and selected Kayshawn Booty just because he was the best player available. When you look at Kayshawn Booty overall, I think what you're seeing is a player that is about six feet tall. He's not the biggest guy on the field, but he's about like – 205, 210 pounds. I really think that he's a dynamic playmaker. He sometimes loves to play bigger than he is, which I think is just really encouraging. Being a junior too, he's certainly got the experience. And I think that he's just shown, you know, over the last basically two seasons that he's been productive in the sense that he's got, I think, 83 total receptions, right? But for him to take that next step and become a legitimate top three wide receiver in this class, I think that he has to have a monstrous 2022 season. If you're the LSU Tigers right now, you're looking at this and you're Brian Kelly, you're screaming that all signs have to point to breakout season for Kayshawn Booty. And the thing with him is I think he's going to be the next LSU wide receiver to follow in the footsteps of guys like a Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. You know, Kayshawn Booty, he's a very exciting player. And you talk about stepping into the footsteps of Jamar Chase and you know, Justin Jefferson and all those great wide receivers for that 2019 LSU team. Uh, Booty has the physical talent, I think, to be in the same conversation as those guys. I and mean, that's why I'm taking him this early in the first round. Um, there is a ton to like about his game. And Clearly, LSU recognizes that uh, for this upcoming season, he's wearing the number seven uh, for them this upcoming year. And what that means for LSU is there, that number has a ton of significance. Usually the best player on the LSU roster wears number seven for them. So for them to give him that honor, that kind of just shows how the program um, and Brian Kelly views him right now. Uh, Booty has a very fun skill set, I think. And he has number one wide receiver written all over him. Now he is recovering from, I, I believe it's an ankle injury that he suffered last year's game last season. So uh, he's not quite hundred percent healthy. I, I think he had cleanup surgery a couple months ago for, uh, for the spring season for them. So, you know, health is going to be a bit of concern here, but if he's healthy and ready to go, I think he's someone who's going to just be a dynamic talent. I and mean, you look at what he did just last year in six games, you know, he had 38 catches for 509 yards, and he was leading uh, the nation at the time with nine touchdowns when he went down with that injury. So, also a big play machine who can line up everywhere. And uh, one of the things that really stood up about his game is, you know, he's an extremely explosive athlete, and when he gets the ball in his hands, he accelerates quickly up the field. Like, uh, you know, it does not take him very long to get back to top speed once he makes the catch. And that just gives him a ton of upside, especially in an offense like the Bears are going to be running, where it is that wide zone Shanahan style of offense where crossing routes and in-breaking routes where, you know, he's going to be getting the ball in space on the move here. And guys that can get, you know, catch the ball and then convert their reception into yards after the catch. I mean, that's where Booty is really, really special. And I think, you know, you look at how this wide receiver core would look for the Bears if they made this pick. You have Darnell Moody, who's going to be going into the last year of his contract next season. Uh, you just signed Bills, you just drafted Bills Jones, who kind of fills that. I wouldn't say he's just a gadget player, but he certainly is more of a gadget, you know, slot guy who can kind of, you know, 
get a lot of plays underneath and get explosive plays out there. And Vuti just kind of adds that explosiveness there. I mean, that's a really fast, dynamic receiving core that's young to build around for Justin Fields, and that makes things very exciting. What I like about Vuti as well is that, you know, he's a pretty good route runner um, as well. You know, at six feet, 200 pounds, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he definitely has a built-out frame. You know, he needs to get a little bit better, you know, in terms of playing stronger at the catch point, contested situations, you know, assistant there. I think he's very raw against press right now, but all that stuff can be worked on in time. Um, you know, this guy's a dynamic talent, and I'd be very excited if the Bears were to take him in the first round. You know, wide receiver is going to be a huge conversation this entire year. It's going to be a huge, huge need, I think, for this Bears team going into next offseason. And, you know, I think they're going to have some good picks here at the top of the draft. But Butte is going to be one of those top guys to uh, take a look at here for the Bears. So we both agree with our first round. And I should say that um, we did not take a look at each other's mock drafts before going into this. So if we had the same pick, um, that's just pure coincidence here. We're not taking a look at each other's mock drafts before we go into this thing. So that leads us to the second round here. Uh, you said, where, which direction did you go in for your second round pick? So I went ahead and selected what I believe is going to be the Bears' second biggest need next year because I think that wide receiver and edge rusher, you could totally flip-flop. I mean, if Will Anderson's there in round one for the Bears next year, I think that he's a no-brainer decision just because he has that Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, I want to say Joey Bosa-type potential. But in round two, I went ahead and I selected edge Zach Harrison from Ohio State. Ohio State within itself is an edge rusher factory. We've seen names like the Bozo brothers, Chase Young kind of get drafted in recent years, but they don't build a lot of players like Zach Harrison. You're talking about a player that's about six foot six, 272 pounds on tape. He's got an impressive blend of both size and just ability. He's got really long arms too. The natural strength that I think that exists for Zach Harrison is just completely off the charts. I mean, he's an excellent, excellent athlete, just an overall great player, really smart as well. So I think that at the NFL level, he's going to be able to play in multiple different schemes. I mean, I would not be surprised to see Zach Harrison be edge rusher one or two going into the spring. But one thing that Harrison, I feel like he needs to work on is that he needs to learn to use his basically entire frame to his advantage right that means he's got to be able to play faster he's got to understand that the body that he's been kind of blessed with can go so many different ways and really just allow him to kind of be the player that's going to take over a game and go ahead and be a major difference maker so when we look at Zach Harrison overall the potential I think is exciting and the athletes there the tools exists and it's so prevalent on tape it's just up to harrison to put it together and i wholeheartedly believe he's going to be the big 10's best pass rusher this year yeah harrison what sticks out for him is that he's just a big long dude you know he's a little bit raw at this point of his development but he definitely has the tools to uh be a top pass rusher in the big 10 this upcoming year i i think he'd be a good fit and even his 4-3 scheme where he can stop the run as well. He's got that physical uh, edge-setting quality to him as well, which I really like. You know, we, again, you say we were thinking very similarly here because I, I didn't pick the same player here in Harrison, but I was thinking about picking him, but there was another edge rusher that caught my eye. And, you know, for the most part here, well, I wouldn't say, you know, I don't have like a draft board here that I'm going off of, but I tried to go with the best player available approach when I, I came to this. And again, it's a very loose definition of that. But 
the best player available that I saw at this point in the draft was edge rusher Isaiah Foskey um, of Notre Dame. You know, I'm going with the Golden Domer here. Um, I, I know that's kind of cliche for a Bears fan to do that, but you know, Foskey, he's got a lot of tricking traits. And you know, he had 10 sacks last year for Notre Dame coming off the edge. He's six foot five. He's about 260 pounds. He's got very long arms and he knows how to use them, which I really like. Um, he's a good athlete off the edge. You know, he's got a lot of potential to really develop into a very dynamic pass rusher here. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a first rounder when we're talking about him in a couple of months from now when he, you know, we start to see him play this upcoming season. You know, with, with that said, you know, Foskey, again, while I, I'm picking him because I think he was the best player that was there, you know, you look at the edge rusher group for the Bears as a whole, you know, like, you know, Robert Quinn, he's probably not a long-term piece for this rebuild right now. You got Travis Gibson, who's been a fifth-round pick, but, you know, you still need another edge rusher here to go, kind of help him out a little bit if he continues to develop. And then, uh, you know, they brought in Al-Qadi Muhammad, who – you know, he's just the guy at this point, more of a rotational player um, who can stop the run. Uh, Foskey, he's got more of that pass rushing tool set to him. Now, the thing for him with Foskey transitioning to the Bears, if the Bears were to pick him next year, let's say, um, you know, Foskey is played more of a outside linebacker, you know, not really getting his hand in the dirt very much role at Notre Dame. So he's a guy who's used to pass rushing off the edge in a two-point stance, you know, standing up in the outside linebacker formation, basically, you know, how is that going to play in Matt Eberflus's 4-3 scheme where he's going to have his hand in the dirt? He's going to have to, you know, work on, you know, engaging from that standpoint and staying low. You know, that's that's some of the things that you worry about in terms of, like, making that transition. But if you're just betting on the talent here, uh, Fosca is available for me, and that's why I took him because I, I think he's got a lot of ability to be a quality pass rusher at the next level. Uh, so let's go to the third round here. I'm curious to see where this goes because I think there's a lot of different directions where this draft could take us. We both address wide receiver and edge rusher here in our first two picks. So with your third round, third round pick, you said, where did you go for uh, your third selection here? Believe it or not, I went back to wide receiver because I felt like Texas A&M's Anais Smith is a really intriguing play. If you look at Texas A&M, the 2022 NFL draft. I mean, last year at this time, people were talking about how the Aggies could possibly have seven or eight first rounders. Now that never necessarily materialized because again, you're just going off preseason rankings and potentials. But what I like about Anaya Smith is this. He's about 5'10", 190 pounds. So a little on the smaller side compared to some of these other wide receivers. But I think that what makes him such an intriguing fit inside Luke Getze's offense is just the fact that how versatile he is. You're talking about a player that can line up pretty much anywhere on the field. You know, you look at the speed that Smith brings to the table and it's really kind of hard to ignore. I also think that he's just an incredible elite athlete. He's also just really elusive and is able to kind of change directions with each. So this is, I think, a player that has a lot of big play potential and someone that can certainly electrify an offense. And I think when it comes to Anaya Smith, what you're looking at is for any NFL offense, he would instantly kick things into another gear because of his explosiveness and be the reason behind an offense just completely taking itself to another level. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, adding more speed and dynamic athleticism to the table for the Dolphins. I, I like that pick of Smith there. You know, it, it would be kind of fitting for Ryan Poles to completely ignore wide receiver this offseason and then completely overdo it by just adding as much talent as possible to the unit next offseason. That would be, a, a, you know, a very uh, flip of the switch, I guess, very turn you know, turning of the tables, so to speak, for that position group, which, you know, would be very interesting to see whether that would happen. Um, I also went to the offensive side. Well, I did not go with wide receiver here. Um, there were a couple guys I was considering. I was looking at some offensive linemen, but ultimately uh, I came around to tight end Cameron Latu out of Alabama. You know, this tight end class next year, it's supposed to be, you know, without digging too deep into it, you know, it's for Jacks to be a much stronger group than what we saw uh, last year. And there's a lot of depth with this group as well, based off of the early projection that we're seeing. And Latu is one of the guys that comes to mind uh, as a mid-round talent here that could sneak up a little bit based off of projection because his game is based off of purely off of projection right now. This is a guy who only has 26 total receptions for uh, his career in college at Alabama. Uh, he's, he's new to the position, so you know, he's still developing. But uh, he, out of those 26 receptions, Eight of those went for touchdowns last year. He is an extremely smooth athlete. He's an explosive athlete in space. He runs very, very well. You know, he needs, obviously, he's still raw in that aspect. But, you know, for a developmental pick in the third round, you know, I love his upside. Um, and, you know, again, because he's new to the position, he's a better receiver than blocker at this stage of his development right now. That's true. He's a, a surprise. You know, I look at it right here. I think the Bears, they want to play in whole personnel. You have Cole Komet here who, you know, let's be honest, has, you know, he's been about what we expected from him in terms of, you know, he had a mediocre profile coming out of Notre Dame and the NFL draft. And that's largely what he has been so far with the Bears in his career. So you look at Latu, he's got a little bit more athletic upsides than Komet, in my opinion. He's got a little bit more upsides receiver. But those two together, you have a combination where Komet can be more of your traditional wide tight end where he's blocking a lot. and Got to remember, Luke Gessie's coming from the Green Bay Packers where he had Robert Tunyon, uh, who had, I believe, 13 touchdowns one year with the Packers. I believe that was in 2020. And Latu, he's got very similar athletic and receiving traits to Robert Tunyon. And I think they can work off each other really well where Cole Komet can kind of fill that Mercedes Lewis role for this offense where he's more of that blocker. Um, you know, he can catch passes underneath in the short game. 
and get yards after the catch with his physicality um, and kind of do some of the dirty work there. While Latu is more of that explosive, you know, run down the seam, uh, get catches over the middle of the field, be a red zone threat, uh, just be a more dynamic receiving option in this past game. And, and hopefully he can develop as a blocker as well. So that's where I see this here. Um, you know, I, I really like Latu, what I've seen from him so far. And I'm excited to see his development because this may be a little bit of a reach based off of where he's being projected right now. But I, I just, I'm betting on the traits right here. And I think he's got a lot of talent going into this upcoming year. And, I, and I'm excited to see what he does with Bryce Young in that passing offense for Alabama because uh, that offense, you know, they just reload every single year. He's going into his second year as a tight end here. So he should see a significant step up uh, next season. So now we're getting into day three here. The Bears, they only have three picks on day three because uh, they don't have a six-round pick. Um, so we get into this here in the fourth round. You say, where'd you go with your fourth-round pick? Yeah, well, before I get into my fourth-round pick, just to kind of clarify, the Bears didn't have a six-round pick because of the trade for Jakeem Grant under Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy last season. And then Ryan Poles got that six-round pick back from the LA Chargers in the trade for Khalil Mack. And then Ryan Poles shipped that same 2023rd six-round pick out to acquire two seventh-round picks in the 2022 NFL draft. So it's really been a back and forth. But officially, the Bears don't have a 2023 six-round pick. So ultimately, when you look at it here, you know, getting into day three, my first pick was going back to Ryan Poles' alma mater, right? Boston College, I went with offensive guard Christian Mahogany I hope I'm saying that the right way I think when you look at him right he's six foot three about 340 pounds so he's a really big physical player right and so when you look at Boston College I mean Mahogany's a returning starter obviously the talk of the town was guys like Alec Loonstorm and Zion Johnson as well as I believe it's Tyler Vrabel who's Mike Vrabel's son but ultimately when you look at Mahogany I think just what I like about him is that he's incredibly big he's incredibly physical you know in the running game he's just an absolute hog molly and he's got really good hands so when we look at him as a pass protector I think they you know whatever ACC opponents kind of threw at Mahogany throughout 2022 one he was able to handle right so I think that he's a player that's continuing to grow and that for him the sky's really the limit so in the context of this mock draft I think he's a steal in the fourth round but I would not be surprised to see him shoot up draft boards but Mahogany I think is a legitimate name to keep an eye on because when we look at Chicago right now I mean the offensive line is still so uncertain to the point where Cody Whitehair is probably going to be gone next year. Lucas Patrick might not be returning. You don't really know what the plan is for Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, you have players like a Zach Thomas, a Doug Kramer, or Braxton Jones, but then the Bears just need to continue to add to the offensive line, specifically for talent and depth purposes. Yeah, I'm with it. The offensive line, it needs a significant boost of talent here to put it kindly um and I I was with you with my draft because I was looking for offensive linemen when I got to this point of the draft as well and I tried to put myself in the mindset of Poles and Cunningham here um when addressing offensive line in the draft here because I think that you know Poles the way he views it is that he thinks he can get away with uh, drafting offensive linemen on day three because you know him and Cunningham are both former offensive linemen they have a, they have a history with offensive line 
and they think they, they can find gems on day through the drafts and develop and give them the coaches to develop. And, you know, maybe they try to be more aggressive next offseason to get some veterans in here to kind of fill out that offensive line unit, you know, after seeing some of these younger guys develop. But um, so I went offensive line as well. And, you know, there are a couple of guys that I was considering here. I ended up going with uh, Luke Weipler from Ohio State. Uh, Weipler is, uh, you know, a prospect that, you know, started for Ohio State last year at center. Um, he probably doesn't not have the positional versatility to play guard. I don't think, I don't think he has quite the length, uh, to make that transition to guard. You know, it's certainly something that they could try, um, that, or that he could try, um, you know, when he eventually gets to the NFL draft process for him next off season. But, um, you know, I, I view him as this now, and, you know, a lot of Bears fans are saying, well, the Bears just signed Lucas Patrick, you know, why would they drive the center here? Look, I, I, Lucas Patrick, he was brought in on a two-year, you know, stopgap type of contract here. He's he's not a long-term piece for uh, this Bears team. You know, he was a guy that they brought in because he knows Luke Getze's system. He has a relationship with Luke Getze. Um, he can come in. He can kind of help install this offense in year one and get the ball rolling on that. He's not a, a long-term piece here. I think he's going to be 30 years old uh, going into the season. So Patrick is an older guy, despite the fact that, you know, he this is his first contract off his rookie contract. So, um Weipler, he would step in. He would come into a, uh, a position where he would compete for a starting job in year one. Um, you know, maybe he can play some guard. I'm not, again, I'm not sure whether he has the versatility for that, but, you know, the goal is that, you know, he can kind of step in and be that long-term starter at center. But if not, he can kind of compete and be a backup depth piece for down the line. And, you know, Weipler, in terms of the physical traits that he have, you know, he, he has a, a solid athletic profile you know he I think he's better in pass protection actually at this point than he is in, in run blocking you know he is physical he can get the second to the second level a little bit you know I, I'm not sure if he's quite a, an ideal fit for an outside zone wide zone uh running scheme right now as a center because he's not quite the most the greatest athlete in terms of getting on the move but he's enough in my opinion and you know a misconception about you know Shanahan and uh, gets these offense coming in here is they, they, they do run more than just the wide zone stuff. They do run a combination of inside zone and, and power schemes and gap schemes where they're, they're pulling guards and whatnot. So it's not just the outside zone. That's, that's their primary blocking scheme, but they do run more stuff. And they, in order to run more stuff, you need the offensive line that can execute that stuff and, and can move guys. And Weifler does have, he has flashed that ability to do so. Um, that's where I'm going with here, addressing the interior of the offensive line. And, you know, we'll see how the Bears address offensive line uh, this up, upcoming offense offseason because, my, my golly, that is going to be a, a unit that needs some turnover and they need turnover quick. So uh, we're both going offensive line here in the fourth round. Let's move on to the fifth round then. Uh, you say, where'd you go in the fifth round? Yeah, so I went ahead and decided to select a tight end. I went with Jaheim Bell, the tight end from South Carolina. I think that he's an incredibly um, – intriguing prospect i think that when you do some you know basic film watching on jaheem bell what you're basically seeing is that he's incredibly versatile he can kind of just line up on all different parts of the field being about you know six foot three 240 pounds i think that size ball skills and route running is able to are three of his best qualities. You also go ahead and you look at, you know, him playing against defensive backs and linebackers, the basic tape that I watched, it seemed like he was winning every time. So 
when it comes to Bell, what you're seeing, I think, is a couple key things. You're seeing matchup nightmare. You're seeing athleticism, you're seeing explosiveness, and you're seeing versatility, but also physicality. So this is one of those players that I think is possibly going to get overlooked because he may not necessarily have the breakaway speed that some of these tight ends like a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle do, but he can still become a really solid player. here in terms of our strategy you stay on the offensive side of the ball i decided to go defense here and i'm going with linebacker cam jones out of indiana uh in the fifth round for my selection um cam jones interesting player um he's more of a project at this point in time you know he's your classic day three linebacker good speed in a straight line but you know doesn't quite have the instincts at this point and um yeah, I, I think it's one of those picks where if Cam Jones, uh, if he can show some development this, this upcoming year, you know, I see him as a player that can be brought in and hopefully this coaching staff with Matt Irvinsley and the way he's a linebacker's coach by trade, you know, bring him in and see if you can just develop something out of this guy. I, I don't mind taking as many shots on day three at this position as possible. Um, you know, it's an important position for the scheme to have linebackers that are fast and rangy and that can hit hard um, and, He's got to develop the instincts part of it, but have instincts and coverage is ideally where you want this to go. But if anything, you hope that a guy with his profile can come in and be a special teams contributor as well. You know, Rookland Smith, he's going into the final year of his contracts. You know, you assume that they, you know, find a way to work out a long-term deal for him. Um, but if not, you know, linebacker is going to be a need for them. They're going to need to find some guys that can come in and contribute. And I think Cam Jones has a physical ability to, um, make it in the NFL if he can get the proper coaching and um, develop a little bit. So with that said, we talked about earlier how the Bears don't have a sixth round pick. That means uh, it's up to the seventh round pick here for our final selection in this way too early mock draft. So for your final pick, you said, where'd you go here? Yeah, I mean, my final pick was, you know, all about just adding depth, right? So I went ahead and selected um Michigan's very own uh DJ Turner he's a cornerback you know six foot three 190 certainly I love the arm length that he has as well as just you know he's bigger than kind of your average cornerback I think what I really like about selecting a cornerback this late in the draft especially when it comes to a guy like a DJ Turner is just the simple fact that what you're seeing right is that the Bears don't necessarily have kind of depth outside or depth at the cornerback position. Cause what happens if Thomas Graham Jr. doesn't necessarily develop the way that a lot of people do, right? When you're looking at a player like a DJ Turner, I mean, I think you're just seeing a big physical rangy cornerback who I would even argue this with the right coaching could possibly even make a transition to like a hybrid safety type role, right? Kind of just be that Swiss army knife on the defensive side of the ball, sort of like a Carl Joseph possibly or even a Keanu Neal. And I think that in Matt Eberflus's defense, while we haven't seen that kind of player traditionally, it would really entice the Bears into seeing what could we do. So DJ Turner's my pick with the final pick of this mock draft. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So with the final pick of this mock draft for me, um, I decided to go defense again here. You know, I'm not a big proponent of going defense at this point, but uh, I just feel like the staff, they would have a hard time uh, passing a player like this. Again, it's a seventh-round pick, so, like, who cares at this point? So I decided to go with Dante Stills out of West Virginia. I was surprised that he was available for me here because Dante Stills has been in the conversation the last couple of draft cycles, actually, as, as someone who could be, you know, an intriguing defensive lineman talent. Um, in these last couple of drafts here, for whatever reason, you know, he's decided to stay in school, probably because he, he needs some significant development in his game. But still, he's a very intriguing player because, you know, he comes in about 6'4", 280, and he plays pretty much everywhere at West Virginia. He plays all on the all on the defensive line. He plays some edge rusher. He plays some four-eye. He plays some three-tech. He plays up against the nose sometimes. Like, he, he's all over the place. And I think, you know, part of his struggles in college has been somewhat that, you know, he – hasn't had the time to focus on just one position and really work on his technique and getting used to playing spot um, because he's playing all over the place. You like the fact that he's got that versatility, but, you know, I, I think he'd benefit from playing, honestly, that three-tech role that is so important for Eberfuss defense. Now, I, I don't think Stills has a profile to be a true, you know, a long-term starter or a true game wrecker at the three-tech spot, but he does have some interesting traits where, you know, maybe he can develop into down the line a rotational piece for wherever place he does go to. And I think in April schemes of three tech, you know, what are some of the traits he looks for in those guys? Well, uh, explosiveness off the snap, that first step quickness to, you know, once the snap goes, he's out of his stance into the backfield and penetrating gaps. That's the most important thing for this three tech. They want somebody here that is disruptive, that can get into the backfield and just, you know, murk everything up. And whether it's a running play, whether it's a passing play, they want someone who's going to be aggressive, penetrating gaps against the backfield. And that's what Dante Stills does. He's not very refined. He doesn't really have a lot of counters or pass rush moves, but the guy just plays with his head on fire, getting into the backfield. He's got a very, a very quick first step, and he's very explosive, ex um, exploiting those advantages where, you know, if he sees an opening to get through a gap against the backfield, he's going to take it. And that's what he does. So in the seventh round, you know, there, there's not a lot of, you know, that you, there's a worse way to spend a pick there, I think, to take a chance. And the Bears, they need defensive tackle uh, talent here. It's one of their more under-the-radar needs going forward here. But you look at their defensive tackle group right now. It's Angelo Blackson, you know, who would be a rotational player for most other NFL teams. He's going into the final year of his contract. I think he's 30 years old, so he's up there in age anyway. Uh, you got Mario Edwards Jr., who's been a career journeyman, um, you know, the Bears signed to a long, a three-year deal last offseason. That really didn't work out after he had that nice stretch in the, I believe it was a 2020 season, just did not work at all for them last year. He was more of a detriment when he was on the field than when he was on, uh, compared to when he was off the field. Like, just not a great signing um, the way that it's looking right now. Uh, they brought in Kairos Tonga. You know, there's that whole, of course, we, we talked about the Ogunjobi saga enough here, but, you know, Justin Jones bringing him in from the Chargers. Um it, it's the talent's very bare at that defensive tackle spot. So um, I think Stills, again, if he's available for you in the seventh round, you take that because he does have some intriguing traits. And 
I, I think he probably goes earlier when it's all said and done because I do think he does have the talent to put it all together here. Um, but, you know, for a seventh round pick, certainly wouldn't be the worst dart throw in the world to take if you're uh, the Bears here. So uh, to wrap things up, you say, let's go over our drafts one more time. If you have anything to add that you want to add for your draft class or my draft class, go on ahead. But uh, you say go over your picks one more time here to, um, and add some thoughts on what your strategy was and um, how you think that this draft would turn out for the Bears here. Yeah, so at the eighth overall pick, I went with Kayshawn Booty, wide receiver, LSU. At 40th overall, I went with edge rusher Zach Harrison from Ohio State. 72nd overall, I went with Anias Smith, wide receiver from Texas A&M. 108th overall, I went with interior offensive lineman Christian Mahogany from Boston College. And then 140th overall, I went with tight end Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. And then 204th overall, I went with DJ Turner, the cornerback from Michigan. When you just look at my overall strategy, there were kind of two things that went on here. The first three to four picks were just all about how do you go about filling needs for a team that you know that there are significant needs. So that's why I doubled down on wide receiver and edge rusher early, just because quite frankly, I mean, those are two of the most valuable positions in football today after obviously quarterback and offensive tackle. And then the second thing I did just with players like a Jaheim Bell, as well as a DJ Turner, Christian Mahogany too, was just kind of take these players that I believe are the best players available on the board, but that they also have incredibly high ceilings too. Because for this team right now, when you look at where they're at, I mean, the general narrative around the Bears 2023 offseason seems to be is that the Bears are going to have upwards of $100 million in cap space because a lot of these contracts for these veterans throughout the Pace and Nagy era are officially coming off the books. And that's true. That's all justified. But also, at the end of the day, we have to keep something in mind is that this is not going to be a quick fix, right? The Bears, just because they're going to have 100 something million in cap space next year, it would be an incredibly foolish decision for Ryan Bowles to go out and to just spend, spend, spend in free agency because we've seen teams that have kind of brought their way into contention and it hasn't necessarily worked out. And honestly, when you look at the last decade or so, the reality of the situation is that the Bears have been one of the most active teams in free agency over the last 15 to 20 years. It seems like whenever there's a big player in free agency and the Bears have money, the Bears are players on the free agent market. So really, the next offseason for me when it comes to the Bears, it's about just being moderate in free agency, rolling over some money from this season, continue to be moderate in free agency, and just build through the draft because that's what a lot of the really good teams have done in this league, and they figured out a way to stay relevant for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at I'm looking at over the cap right now. I mean, when you're factoring in um, rollover from this year, I mean, you're looking at the Bears having about $100 million in, in, in cap space projected to right now, uh, which is um, by far the most in the NFL next year. Like, they're going to have a ton of cap room, a ton of flexibility to make moves. And, you know, that certainly, um, when we're doing mock drafts this early, it certainly makes things, you know, difficult to predict because you won't know what the, what the team's needs are going into next year and also when you look at this year um you know you never know when some guys are going to step up and when some guys disappoint so um the needs for this team as a rebuilding team are going to be constantly fluctuating i think throughout this entire year but in terms of you know looking forward to next year's drafts and and this mock that i have today 
I'll go over real quick. Uh, you say and I both had the first uh, had the same first round pick. We had by receiver Keishon Booty out of LSU. Um, in the second round, I had Isaiah Foskey, edge rusher out of Notre Dame. In the third round, I had Cameron Latu, tight end out of Alabama. In the fourth round, Luke Weipler out of Ohio State, offensive lineman. In the fifth round, Cam Jones, linebacker out of Indiana. And then my final pick, seventh round pick, Dante Stills, defensive tackle out of West Virginia here. And I look at this thing here, and again, you know, the Bears, I, I think you can say, say what you want about Darnell Mooney. I, the Bears need to add counts to the wide receiver room, you know, whether it's to get a true number one wide receiver for Darnell Mooney to play alongside of, or, you know, getting another, just another weapon in here to complement Darnell Mooney if he proves himself to be a number one guy. Like they need some playmakers here for this offense. They need guys that uh, can create more explosive plays in the passing game. And where was Justin Fields at his best? Um, in college at Ohio State is when he had three guys there at Ohio State, we look at Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, um, and Najimba there, who could all separate and make plays. I don't know if Najimba was with just Fields at last year, but he had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave there. He had guys that could separate and create explosive plays for him. Um, that's where he was at his best. And uh, getting him an offensive line that can protect him as well, I mean, those, the, those are attributes that help him because of his tendency to hold on to the ball as well. So Got to factor that in, um, but that was kind of the strategy I went with that first pick, you know, and Butte, he ha- he is he's an exceptional talent, and there's a reason why both of us had him as our first-round pick. Like, he has a lot of things to build off of here. I'm excited to see what he does in um, this upcoming year for uh, him at LSU. It should be an exciting year for him. Uh, I thought this was a very fun exercise, you say, to kind of go over this, um, and just getting us started here as we get into – uh, scouting for the 2023 NFL draft. I'm really excited. I'm going to be digging into as much tape as I can find over the next couple of months before uh, the college football season starts. And I'm really excited to see uh, where all these guys ends up at the end of this upcoming college football season. So without further ado, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Polls podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Picks for Polls. And Give us a follow there. Um, you said, where can our listeners find your work and find you on social media? Yeah, guys, you can find my work on the Bear Report. You can check me out at Usaid Koshal on Twitter and make sure to follow the Picks for Polls podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. I'll probably be releasing an article on this mock draft on the Bear Report as well. So if you want to get some more in-depth thoughts, on what my thought process was for this you, you can check that out in the bear report when that eventually comes out i assume in the next uh within the next week or so um but also to make sure to like rate subscribe and review us um anywhere that you're listening to your podcasts uh, for blue wire pods and make sure to give the bear report podcast um with zach and aaron make sure to listen and tune in over there as well um you know we only have a couple of weeks here before we start training camp bears fans you know i, I know it's a dead time in terms of the news uh, right now, I know we had that move with uh, Nikhil Harry, but you know it, it's starting to get to the exciting point in the offseason where you know football is. It, I'm starting to feel right now. I, I don't know what you you say, but uh, football it's it's feeling like it's almost back here. So I'm, I'm really excited to dig into the season here, and it's, it's I think it's going to be a fun one. So uh, for all of our Bears fans listening out there, uh, have a great weekend and stay safe, everybody. Bear down.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.